this morning. Kids did a good job. I expect you to know every book in the New Testament. When we finish up, I will be quizzing you. Uh, I invite you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing our series, Pillars of the Christian Life. We've talked about the word, prayer, discipleship. Today we are talking about service. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we, we thank you for the areas where we have to, uh, for, for prayers we've, you've, you've answered and that we've seen answered. Lord, we thank you for the incredible recovery that Ben Ravens is making. And we praise you for that, Lord. We give all glory to you for that. And I want to just continue to pray for him, to continue to pray for his recovery, to continue to pray that he make great strives. Lord, we also come to you today and we pray for Todd Shively and the battle that he's fighting. Lord, no matter what we're up against, it pales in comparison to the big God who we have and the great God that we have. And Lord, we pray for him as well. Lord, we pray for, uh, for his health. Lord, we pray for you to heal him. We pray for a miracle in his health. I pray for his daughter, for his family in this time. Lord, I pray for our time in your word today. Lord, as we talk about gifts and service, Lord, I pray that we can be encouraged to serve you, to be part of your kingdom, to use what you've given us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. An astounding 16 million soldiers, sailors, and Marines served America in the Second World War. And while most of our focus on World War II is on the military and combat, within the United States there was an effort to support the war unlike anything our nation has seen before or since. With millions going overseas, Americans back at home took up new jobs. Coming out of the Great Depression, unemployment dried up, reaching an all-time low in 1944. The war effort affected virtually every facet of American life. Companies shifted their manufacturing efforts to supporting the war and supplying the military. Maytag went from making washing machines to making parts for airplanes. Firestone tires made artillery shells and aluminum containers for food transport. Products like sugar, butter, bacon, and cheese were rationed, as were penicillin and other medications, along with rubber and various types of metals. Materials for clothing such as silk and nylon were used to make war uniforms, military uniforms. Everything went to supporting a cause that was so much bigger than any one person. And everyone's contributions mattered. To help pay for the war, the government sold bonds. Over 85 million Americans purchased war bonds just to help the war effort. And to put that in perspective, that was more than half the entire United States population at the time. An incredible effort. As Christians, we too are called to be part of a cause that is far bigger than any of us. But where everyone has a role, where everyone has a job to do, where everyone has a way to serve. 
the mission of God on earth. And that mission is to spread the gospel, to make disciples, to build up the church. It's not a passive request in scripture, nor is it simply a good suggestion, but something which God commands from all of his people, a way of life. If you're a person who's placed faith in Jesus, this applies to you. Verse I quoted last week, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You belong to Jesus when you place your faith in him. And part of the purpose for the Christian life is one that is lived in service to God for the mission of God in the world. Have you ever wondered why is it taking Jesus so long to come back? I mean, it's been almost 2,000 years since he ascended to heaven. Why so long? Now, obviously, the simplest answer is because it isn't God's will that he has returned yet. And that's true, and that's significant. However, another reason is that the gospel, for it to be spread throughout the world, for the nations to hear the gospel, for more people to have an opportunity to respond in faith to the gospel. It's an act of God's grace to the world. And we each get to be part of God's mission in the world. Do you ever feel like you were made for something great? Do you ever feel like you were meant to have more of an impact? You are made for more. You are made to do great things. You are here to make an impact in the world because you're here to serve the almighty God of the universe. You're here to have an impact on people's lives for the gospel that will affect their eternal souls. You're here to make an impact for Jesus. We can try to build our own kingdoms. We can try to collect our own toys. We can try to control and manipulate the circumstances in our own lives to what makes us feel secure, to try to make things work the way that we want them to work. We can do those things. But we were made for so much more. We were made to serve the mission of Christ in the world. And again, that includes sharing the gospel, making disciples, making Jesus known, growing together as his church, and serving God. Jesus clearly states his mission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. As a church... Every person in the church is called to use the ways God has gifted and equipped us for the purpose of serving God and building up his church. That's why we're here. That's your mission in life. Knowing God and making God known. Being disciples who make disciples. Building up his kingdom. Living so that God can use us for his purposes. Because ultimately... Those are the best purposes. Those are the only purposes where we can be assured that all things 
work together for good. And that should be an exciting thing. And so from our passage this morning, from 1 Corinthians 12, our main idea is that we're on a mission for Jesus. First section in this passage helps us to develop a theology of ministry, beginning in verse 4. And the first idea I want to talk about this morning is that every Christian has spiritual gifts which come from God. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Maybe you've never really thought about that. But all Christians are given spiritual gifts. It doesn't matter how well you know the Bible. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how outgoing you are, how good-looking you are, or how many people you know. It doesn't matter how talented you think that you are. If you're a Christian, God has given you gifts to serve him and build up his church for the glory of God. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you have nothing to offer. I think that's the reason why some people don't serve. But it's nonsense. In our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, going back to that verse 8, Paul starts to talk about some of the different types of gifts. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. There are several New Testament passages which talk about gifts. A couple points to be made about those. Spiritual gifts are listed in five passages in four books in the New Testament. Our passage this morning, 1 Corinthians 12, actually has two lists. Verses 8 through 10 mention nine Spiritual gifts, and verse 28 mentions eight. There are also lists of spiritual gifts given in Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. For instance, in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Notice in that passage that he, Paul gives a list of gifts, but also gives a purpose for the equipping work of God in that it is for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Or let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who 
does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Between these various lists, there's some overlap. Some gifts are mentioned in multiple lists. But no gift list lists all the gifts. So the purpose in those lists is not to be exhaustive in talking about every single spiritual gift. I also want to mention Paul's list that he gives at the end of our section in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where he says... And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So we see through these various lists, Paul lists various gifts. And part of why some gifts might be mentioned in one book and not another, perhaps, is just the initial audience of the book and what they needed to hear. Another purpose for giving these lists of spiritual gifts seems to be to explain that there are a variety of gifts. That there is differentiation among the various spiritual gifts which God gives to us. A couple more general comments on gifts. There is some theological disagreement within the church as to whether all of these gifts are still in effect today especially in terms of what are known as the miraculous or sign gifts. For instance, our passage talks about a gift of healing. Are there Christians today who still have that spiritual gift? Some hold that view. Another view is that those gifts, like healing, prophecy, were really meant for the early church to validate the divine authority of the initial apostles in that age, but that they do not continue to this day. We don't have time to get into that whole debate this morning. I made sure of it when I was writing. But our purpose is really more revolving around God equipping us with gifts to build up his church. God equips his people with the gifts today that we need to have for his purposes of serving him and spreading his gospel. So our first point, we look at ministry, and included in that is that we are equipped with different types of gifts by the Holy Spirit from God. In verse 12 of our passage, Paul begins a fantastic illustration of the church based on what he said in the first part of this section. Paul looks at gifts, and he makes an illustration comparing the different roles we serve in the church to the different parts of our physical bodies. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What this is saying is that we have one body, referring to the church, but that that body has many parts to it. And each part has its own purpose within the church. And each part matters to the healthy function of the body. If our physical bodies have an unhealthy part of where we're not functioning properly, that affects the rest of our body, doesn't it? Something so simple as a toothache can be debilitating. Get a nasty cut on one of your fingers and that can linger for days. In the same way, within the church, each of us is part of the body of Christ. And everyone within the church matters to the church. Everyone who comes here matters to Christian Bible church. And again, we exist to spread the gospel, to make disciples, to build up the church, working together for the mission of God. All endowed with different spiritual gifts from God. I love the practicality that Paul uses in his illustration. Verses 14 through 16. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Because every part matters. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less part of the body. Feet. Kind of smelly. <laughs> Oftentimes out of sight. The foot isn't nearly as glamorous as the hand. We work with our hands. Every day we do hundreds, if not thousands, of tasks with our hands. Our hands display wedding rings if you're married. Our hands bring food closer to our faces. And so Mr. Foot might feel tempted to feel like he's not contributing very much. But he helps you keep balance when you walk. The foot matters. Same thing in verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Again, the ear might be tempted for... Him to feel insecure. It's not an eye. People get complimented on their eyes. Oh, you have such beautiful eyes. If you have ears that are worth mentioning, it's never flattering. <laughs> but ears are important. They're part of the body. They funnel in sound. They help us keep our balance. They hold glasses on. Everyone in the church has a place, has a role. You have an area where you fit. You're part of the body. You have a way to serve that's valuable 
to the church. We have many people who faithfully serve here. And I'd like to thank those people because it's so essential to what we do. I've seen ways, both big and small, where people in this church have served the church and served one another. And that's important because we need each other. We need the ways God has gifted and equipped us to serve the church. And we need the ways God has gifted and equipped others to serve the church. For the function of the church, we need everybody. Church is not merely a place where we come and where those around us are involved and serving and where we just hang out. It's meant to be a place where everyone serves, where everyone is involved. While many are involved in the church and involved in ministries here, I'd love us to be a church where everyone is involved, where everyone is ministering. The word ministry simply means service. And every Christian is meant to have a ministry. This is also a reason when we have conversations with people who say that they're Christian but don't believe in going to church, why they're wrong. Because you can't serve the church if you're not part of a church. Back in our passage, verse 17, gets at the idea that it's necessary for there to be differences within the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Imagine that. Just a giant eye walking, rolling around. Not only are there different parts, but there need to be different parts. We don't all need the same gifts. We don't need everyone to be a preacher. It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> we don't need everyone to be a musician. Some people are really gifted with administration and use their gifts of administration to serve. And that's wonderful. But we don't need everybody to have that same skill set, those same gifts. It's a diverse variety of gifts which was with which the Lord equips people. And he gives us those gifts to use for his glory. And the church flourishes when people are living on a mission and committed to living lives to serve God. Verses 18 and 19. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 18, we see that it is God who arranges and equips people to serve in different ways within the church. Verse 20 is somewhat of a summary of this entire passage. There are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21 is an affirmation from the passage how every part of the body needs every other, other part of the body. That the church needs you. And when I say you, I mean you. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
Every part matters. In the world of theater, there's this saying, there are no small parts, just small actors. And the point is that everyone matters to the production. Everyone who's in the story matters to the story. Or I think about when I used to play football as a kid. You always wanted to pretend you were the quarterback or the running back or the receiver. Nobody ever dreamed of being the kicker. But the kicker's still part of the team. A kicker matters. Kickers are important. A kicker can win you a Super Bowl. Or lose you a playoff game. No matter how you're gifted, it matters. Any part of the body that we might want to think is less important, Paul tells us that those parts are essential. Verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, with our, while our more presentable parts do not require. In other words, it's often the inglorious work that's most important. I've worked in several restaurants. I think about restaurants where I've been a, a server. And in those types of restaurants, full-service restaurants, one thing I've observed over time because you can always find other servers. It's not that hard. You ask somebody what food they want, and then you bring it to them. It's... <laughs> but the, the person who's really most essential, where nothing will bring a restaurant down quicker than this person not being there, or not being good, or having issues, is the person in the back washing the dishes. It's not a glamorous job. It's hot, it's wet, you're working hard. It's really kind of a thankless job. But they are absolutely essential to the restaurant being able to function. Or think about a general in a war. Yeah, he's the top dog. But who's actually getting the real work done? It's the thousands of soldiers around him who are faithfully serving. Our service might not always be glamorous, but it always matters. Because changing a life changes the world. Leading one person to Christ changes eternity. Being kind and serving and loving people impacts them, which impacts how they treat others and how those people treat others. Like tossing a big rock on a still lake or impact causes ripples. We have opportunities to reach people, to serve people, to love people, to serve the church. And may that purpose be to point people to Jesus. Every gift matters. It is important. That's what Paul is saying throughout this section. It's God's desire for us to serve him. 1 Peter 4.10 one of the other sections in the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts, Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards, as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
We are each given gifts by God for the purpose of serving God. In 1 Peter, he tells us to also be stewards of those gifts. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke record the parable of the talents. Our word talent as in, wow, that athlete or that singer is so talented, comes from this word, which is a measurement. A talent is about 100 pounds of gold. So a huge amount. In the parable, there are three men who are given various talents of gold by their master. The first man is given five talents. The second is given two talents. The third is given one talent. Point worth mentioning about spiritual gifts. While God equips and gifts all people, that is not to say that we all have the exact same share. Some people might have more gifts. Some people might have more ability with their gifts. But part of what the parable of the talents does is illustrate that it's not the amount that you have that really matters. It's how you utilize what you have. In the parable of the talents, the man who received five talents went to work with what he was given, and he earned five more talents. In the same way, the man who was given two talents worked and earned two more. But the one who received one talent, well, he still could have done a lot with it. Keep in mind, it's a huge amount of gold, a huge amount of money that he's been given. Even if he put it in the bank and just collected interest, that would have been something. But no, in the parable, we find that he just buried it in the ground. He didn't use what he had been given. In the parable, the master hears of his, the misuse of his resources. And he says in Matthew 25, 26, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. For the ways God gifts and equips us, we are not given those talents to just sit around. We are not given them just to bury in a field. We're not given them just to sit around and do nothing. We're equipped by God so that we can go to work. We're to be stewards of everything God gives to us, of our money, of our time, but also of our talents and the ways he's gifted and equipped us. And just as in the parable of the talents, there is an account there is a reckoning that we will have to make before God with what we have done, with what he has given us. What will Jesus say to you? To those to whom he gave the five talents and the two talents, who use their talent wisely, Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Will it be that? Or will it be you wicked and slothful servant? Let us serve him today with all we have, building up the body of Christ. There are a number of ways to get involved here at the church. Many different ministries that we have, and sometimes we have different ministries in different seasons. But if you're not involved in a ministry, I'd love to see you get plugged in. And if you don't know what might be a good fit, I'd love to talk to you about that too. I'm not trying to undermine the ways many of us serve outside the church. 
I have no doubt that that's the case for many of us. And that's wonderful. People who serve our families. The point isn't to undermine that. But what I'm saying is to have a missional focus, a missional outlook on life. And that includes using our gifts to serve our families, to help our neighbors, to bless our coworkers, but to also serve the church and to be involved in the life of the church. And in our country, it's so easy to compartmentalize those things. We like to think that we have work time, we have family time, we have church time. Instead, all of our time should be focused on serving the mission of God in the world. And that impacts family time. And that impacts how we work and how hard we work and how we interact with our coworkers. Having a life revolving around loving people, pointing people to Christ, and helping people know Jesus and building up his church. Having a life that revolves around building God's house. And we have the gifts to do that. And none of us have all the gifts. So we use what God has given us. And that's a powerful thing. And we spread his gospel. Which saves souls. But when it's the whole church. The people of God. Each using the ways God has equipped us for his purposes. Watch out. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much that you allow us to be part of your purposes. Lord, that that is a, a way that you have blessed us to get to be part of ministries of eternal value. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you do gift and equip us to serve you. Lord, I pray for this body of believers that we all need each other Lord, I pray that you would speak through our hearts and that we would serve you well and serve your church. In Jesus' name, amen.